there's some shocking, bloated copy out there on websites and in corporate marketing material, stuffed full of pompous words, passive sentences, jargon, legalese and management speak cliches. Why do companies let this happen? Let's grab a coffee and talk about it some more. Welcome to episode 218 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hello and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. I just want to say thank you so much for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. This week, it's just me and the mic, and you know what that means. When it's just me and the mic, sometimes it turns into a bit of a rant. I've been seeing more and more examples of awful corporate claptrap recently, and actually, it's been called out in newspaper articles. It's been one of my career-long obsessions keeping things simple. And that's keeping things simple in terms of product, keeping things simple in terms of process, and keeping things simple in terms of copy and language used in marketing communications. I have a little swipe file where I collect together examples of bloated copy, and and I use it in my conference speeches. So here's a couple of examples that I've seen recently. And this first example is from a financial services company. Now, it's a very long paragraph, and there's actually only one comma in the entire thing. So it actually takes a lot of reading. Here we go. Key to this is shifting the business from a product sales-led focus to an approach based on end-to-end customer experience and data-driven insight, as well as moving beyond the rational economics behind traditional financial communication towards creating a positive emotional resonance in customers with innovative, engaging marketing using innovative digital channels and capabilities. I had to take more breaths than there was punctuation in that paragraph. And it's and it's just gobbledygook, isn't it? It's claptrap, poppycock. What on earth does it mean? I think it means that they're going to just have to focus more on customers. And if that's the case, why not just say it? Here's an example which I actually saw in the Financial Times, and the Financial Times were actually calling out a company for using ridiculous language in its communications. Here we go. Over the last six months, the centre of gravity at XYZ Group has shifted from our heritage as an iconic and much-loved domestic pure-play online grocer to our future as a technology-driven global software and robotics platform business, providing a unique and proprietary end-to-end solution for online grocery and an innovative factory applying our technology expertise to adjacent markets and other verticals. Goodness gracious, what on earth does that mean? Now, I'm really glad that the Financial Times has called that company out for using such bloated language, but it does beg the question, why do companies let this sort of thing happen? Now, it's particularly rife in financial services companies, and as if financial services wasn't complicated enough, throughout my career, I have worked in marketing departments in big financial services corporates, so I do know what's going on, unfortunately. So here are four reasons why I think companies end up coming up with claptrap like I've just read out. And hopefully, by going into these four reasons, it's something that you can think about when you're putting your marketing copy together, whether it's websites, brochures, whatever it is. Keep these things in mind and hopefully you'll be able to avoid that bloated management speak mumbo jumbo. Number one, 
it might be written by committee. Now, it might start off quite innocently enough. So the marketing person, the marketing department, or perhaps a marketing agency, they'll get briefed, they'll get told what the company wants, and they'll come back with something which actually is pretty good as a starting point. It might be quite simple, it might be quite engaging, but unfortunately, it then goes into a sign-off group. And that sign-off group could include people from customer service, people from legal, people from accounts, finance, actuarial, if it's a financial services company. And every single one of those people on that sign-off group will want to try to imprint themselves and their opinion on that starting copy. And the problem is they'll infest that copy with bloated words. They'll change the emphasis. They'll make it a lot less easy to read. They may even start to lose the point of what was being said in the first place as they add caveats, as they add legalese, as they add all sorts of extra bits. Beware writing by committee. Not only is it a tortuous process and soul-destroying for the person who came up with the original quite simple copy to see it torn apart by the committee, but it also takes absolutely ages. And in this day and age, you want to be nimble. You want to get engaging marketing material out there quickly to engage with your customers. Try to avoid writing by committee. The second reason why companies often come up with bloated copy is that they think it's more professional, as if bloat is better. I always remember one example from my own experience in big corporate. We'd put together a brochure. It was a printed brochure, so this is quite a long time ago. And yes, it was full of passive language. It was full of technicalities. It was full of jargon and industry speak. And we took this brochure into research. It was a focus group. We asked customers to tell us what they thought of the brochure. And as you would expect, they came back saying, difficult to read, got bored after a couple of paragraphs, didn't understand it, too technical, too much jargon, and it was just not going to engage the customer. It was not going to let them trust the company. It was not going to make them want to buy the company's products. So we went away and we rewrote the brochure. We rewrote it in chatty language, in the language of the consumer. And then we took it back to research and the customers thought it was a massive improvement. They could understand it. It was easy to read. Some of them said it was actually a joy to read from a financial services company, and that's very rare. So I came out of that second set of research feeling really good. We've got a great brochure here. We should do this, and we should get it out there. But then, of course, it went into that sign-off group, and... The sign-off group said, do you know what? This sounds flippant. It sounds too chatty. It's not professional enough. It doesn't fit with our professional standards. And guess what happened? Guess what happened? We actually went with the version of the brochure that the first research group said was absolute rubbish. The complicated one, the one full of jargon, the one full of industry speak. That's the one that we went for. And guess what? It was a total failure. It didn't engage the customer. It didn't bring in any sales because it was complete crap. But the company wanted to run with it because it was more professional. And what is more professional anyway? What does that actually mean? Does it mean you have to wear a suit and tie to work? Is it that you have to festoon your material with bloated words, jargon and management speak mumbo jumbo? I don't think so. If you're putting together marketing material and somebody tries to play the professional card, that's when you've got to resist very strongly because if you let them get away with it, it will ruin your marketing copy. Here's the third reason. Sometimes the copy ends up being written for legal protection. 
the legal people infest the copy with complication and legal ease in the misguided assumption that they're somehow protecting themselves from being sued sometime in the future by somebody who can interpret the words in a different way. That's sometimes why you end up with those massively long paragraphs like I read out before with very little punctuation because some people think that if the punctuation is in the wrong place it can alter the meaning of the sentence and therefore leave a company open to being sued in the future. Now of course companies don't want to get sued in the future but the problem is if they try to build in safeguards into the marketing material then eventually it'll become unreadable and it won't do its job. It won't engage the customer and it won't generate sales. <laughs> I can remember one example of an altercation with a legal person. I sent a piece of copy along to this legal person and it came back with red pen marks all over it. So I went to see the legal person, sat down with them and said, you've changed a lot of this copy. Is it really such a legal problem? And he said, well, there's a few areas where I've tightened it up from a legal point of view, but for the rest of it, it's just not how I would have written it. And I'm saying, well, you're not the writer of this piece of copy. That's the marketing department's job. Your job is to check that it's legally sound not to change it into the way you would have written it. We've tried to write it with a customer in mind, and you have to challenge this. Obviously, if the legal person finds a piece of copy that genuinely is a legal risk, then you do have to change it. But you don't have to change the copy, but you don't have to change it simply because it's not the way that they would have written it. And the fourth reason why sometimes copy becomes bloated and festooned with all this management speak, gobbledygook, and this was a reason that was highlighted in that article in the Financial Times calling out that company before. Sometimes it's written to impress the stock market. For some reason, they think that bigger words, bigger paragraphs, more jargon, more management speak will impress the stock market. Perhaps the stock market talks like that, but it's not a good enough reason to write material that doesn't engage the customer and, quite frankly, might even enrage the customer due to its complexity and verbosity. There really is only one way to write simple, engaging marketing material, and that is to write it in the customer's language and aim to engage rather than enrage. If you're a long-time listener of the podcast or you've attended any of my conference speeches or workshops, you'll know that I have three very simple rules to follow in order to come up with that really simple, engaging marketing material. And I'm going to quickly take you through them again. Number one, assume the customer knows nothing absolutely nothing. When you work in a particular industry all the time, you become immune to the language of that industry. You assume that everybody understands it. If you're a car mechanic, you'll assume everybody knows what a carburetor is. If you work in financial services, you'll assume that everybody knows what a critical illness product is. The fact is, the majority of people have very little knowledge about particular industries. They certainly don't understand the industry language, and they certainly don't understand the industry jargon. So if we assume they know nothing, then we've got to take it right back down to the simplest of levels. What's the most bleedingly obvious question that a customer might ask about your industry? That's the level you might want to get down to. Now, possibly you might risk upsetting some people who think it's like teaching granny to suck eggs. But in my experience, if you assume the customer knows nothing and you give them answers, even to the most bleedingly obvious questions, then your marketing material becomes much more engaging, much more accessible and much more likely to prompt them to get to know you, like you and trust you enough to do business with you. So that's the first one. Assume the customer knows nothing. 
The second rule is always talk in the customer's language. In order to do this, in order to talk in the language of your customer, just think about how you would talk to them in a coffee shop or a pub. You wouldn't talk to them in passive language, would you? You wouldn't talk to them in massive, bloated paragraphs, and you wouldn't use jargon and management speak mumbo-jumbo. For example, if you were meeting somebody in a pub, you might say to them, I'll get us a couple of pints of beer. You wouldn't say, A couple of pints of fermented hops in liquid form served in a cylindrical see-through container made of fused silicon will be bought at the bar for us by me. If you said that, the person would look at you as if you were absolutely mad. So why would you do the same thing with your marketing material? Keep it simple. Talk in the language of your customer. <laughs> I guess it's possible that the language of your customer might be management speak mumbo jumbo jargon and cobbledygook. But on the whole, I've found that the customer likes it when it's simple and easy to understand and isn't infested with all that claptrap. And of course, the third rule is no jargon, no management speak and no gobbledygook. And try to avoid those cliches. Don't talk about synergies going forward, about drilling down and running things up flagpoles, having helicopter views, things coming onto your radar. Don't talk about finessing paradigms and strategic staircases and focusing on the crocodiles nearest the boat and all that sort of stuff. People laugh at it. It's not engaging. It can be enraging. And once you've put your simple copy together, once you've followed those three rules, customer knows nothing, talking the customer's language and no jargon and management speak mumbo jumbo, once you've got that first version of your copy, that first simple version of your copy, that's when you've got to strongly resist the writing by committee problem, the more professional problem, the written for legal protection problem, and the written for the stock market problem. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, but if you believe that simplicity engages the customer and is more likely to lead to more sales, then we have to stand up to those who seek to infest our material with bloated language, jargon, gobbledygook, and all of that stuff that enrages the customer rather than engages them. So I hope you've enjoyed this little canter through avoiding bloated marketing material. If you need help with your marketing, just look me up at rogeredwards.co.uk. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. I do hope to catch you again in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.